0: Your head around the silks. This is the expecting aerialist podcast. Today, we have the beautiful Elizabeth Larma. She is from the Detroit area. She's an aerialist and proud mother of five kids. She's been in her practice for about 10 years. She's an instructor, and through all five of her pregnancies, she had to deal with gestational diabetes. And on her last one, gestational. Hypertension. So she's got quite a story for us and how she got back in the air every single time. Let's get started. So, Elizabeth, you might be my first aerial mama that I'm talking to who has five offspring.
1: I don't think you're going
0: to find very many aerialists (laughs) that have five offspring, period. (laughs) This is amazing.
1: How old were you when you had your first? Um, my first child was born when I was 23. And you were already doing aerial or no? I was not doing aerial. Nope. Two of my pregnancies were before I even knew what aerial arts were.
0: Okay. So let's go chronologically. So you had your first baby Mm -hmm. and then you had a second, how much time was between and is, was there any like birth story or postpartum
1: story that stands out to you? So for those two? With my first, he was very, very typical pregnancy. Nothing super crazy. Uh, I did find out that I was borderline diabetic. Uh, so Oh, okay. Gestational. Yep, gestational. Um, So I gained about 50 pounds, you know, which isn't the most fun. Um, But I mean, outside of that, it was nothing crazy. His delivery was very easy. Broke my water in the middle of the night. Woke up, went to the hospital. He was born before 7 a.m. Naturally, no drugs, nothing. Is this something you expected or was it completely like different than you expected? It was probably around what I had expected. I had wanted to have a natural birth. You know, I didn't expect to be a diabetic and have to go on like a more strict eating plan. Um, But I was able to make it through, you know, I was in college still. So a little bit of a juggle there, getting used to still taking classes and prepping to be a mom at the same time, you know, but I'm always been a very organized person. So I made it work. Um, And then before I had my second, I graduated from Wayne State with my um, bachelor's of science in uh, education. I can teach sixth through 12th grade English and geography. Oh, wow. That's wonderful. And do you teach now? For a short time, I had started substitute teaching, yes. Um, But I'm not currently teaching, no. Okay. So my second was born in 2010 and I was a little more diabetic with that one, gained a little bit more. I think I was closer to 60 pounds with that one that I gained. Man, is it statistically odd that you had it both times or is it more likely if you already had it? So they told me after the first one that each time I got pregnant, um, that my chances of having it again just continue to go up. And so just kind of to expect that each time I would have it, so it was more likely that I would be diabetic again than not be diabetic again. Oh man, that's that sucks. Yeah, yeah, it's not the most fun. And I was actually um, a vegetarian for years, and with my second pregnancy, I did give it up because I was having a lot more trouble regulating my blood sugar, and it was easier when you're able to consume like those like heavier red meats to kind of regulate your blood sugar throughout the day. And I wasn't a big fan of beans. And those are the other way to really regulate your blood sugar. So I was really struggling and I didn't want to have to take insulin or any pills. So I changed my diet um, from being vegetarian. Okay. Yeah. Wow. But both of them were born healthy, natural, seven pounds, eight ounces with the first one, seven pounds, 15 ounces with the second one. Um, The second one's delivery was a little bit harder. I still didn't have any uh, drugs or epidural, but I did have to have an episiotomy, which, uh, you know, they have to cut you to kind of make way for uh, baby. Oh,
0: that's right. I, you just remind. I was like, what is that again? So yeah. they,
1: they had to cut you a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I still tore after they cut me. So you just kind of was facing the wrong direction and came pretty quick. And so I had a, what's considered a level three tear with him, which is pretty bad. I had a lot of stitches. Man, but no C-sections. No C-section or anything. Nope. And I actually, I, I, the pushing time with all of my pregnancies is really quick, you know, only pushed for maybe 10 minutes with the first two and they were out. <laughs> so,
0: so it, the, the thought that's going through my mind is. <gasps> When I was 23, I was like a, I was like so immature. Oh yeah. (laughs) I'm not saying you were immature. I'm saying I was immature. Yeah. I was so, I think about myself at that time and I just give you so much props because I mean, I guess you have
1: to grow up quickly you did. But I didn't have to, so I never did. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I think, um, I think that's why I fell so in love with Ariel though, was because I was a young, younger mom, you know, not necessarily the youngest, could have been worse, but I was a young mom and I think I experienced a lot of loneliness. My friends were still doing a lot of the things, you know, that you would normally do in your twenties, going out, mm-hmm, dating, staying up late, you know, that kind of stuff. And I was a mom of two kids. And I didn't really get to do a lot for myself. I didn't get to go out. So when I discovered Ariel in 2011, um, by the recommendation of what would go on to be a really good friend of mine, uh, it was my thing that I got to do. It was my time out of the house. It was the time for me, you know, when I got to, uh, go out, I got to exercise. I got to be with people my age and you know, just not have to be a mom for one hour a week. You already had two kids by the Mm -hmm. time you went to your first class. Do you remember what that that was like? Oh my gosh. Yes. I remember like almost every moment of it. It was amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I remember driving home and my hands hurt so bad. I could barely grip the steering wheel. And I was like, this is great. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) That's
0: awesome. And were were you able
1: to to, uh, climb the first day? I was able to climb the first day, you know, um, what happened was right, right before all this, right before I started Ariela, a really good friend of mine was getting married and I was determined to not be her bridesmaid that was still overweight, still had all this baby weight. And so I had started hitting the gym, like really hard doing the elliptical, doing the stair climber, doing every machine, even if I was using it improperly, just because I wanted to get back into shape and lose that 60 pounds that I had put on. So I had happened to, right before starting Ariel, had spent quite a few months um, at the gym getting myself back into back into a little bit of a shape. So I remember being able to climb and um, I even put on a footlock my first class. Oh, hey. Yeah. So very motivating to be able to actually do something. And it was a mixed apparatus class when I first started. So they did a little bit of trapeze, a little bit of lira, a little bit of hammock, a little bit of silks. Um, And it would kind of rotate, so I would go once a week, and some days it would be trapeze and silts, another day it would be Lear and a hammock. I actually couldn't get into the hammock my first five classes, and I will never forget this, I could not do a pullover, could not do a dolphin up, you know, which Uh uh later on I learned is, you know, a little bit harder than just being able to just climb or, you know, do a tuck or a straddle, nemesis, me and the hammock, did not get along, I hated it. I didn't want anything to do with it. Wait, but
0: you're talking pullover generally. So could you do a pullover on another apparatus, but not on the
1: hammock? No, um, we generally worked on tucks on the trapeze and straddles on the lira. So it was the pullover that I couldn't do. And at that time, the instructor that was teaching it wouldn't help you. So if you couldn't pull over and you couldn't get into the hammock, well, you just stood there and watched everyone else kind of take their turn until you had enough strength to do the pullover to get into the hammock.
0: You know, I secretly love that. Yeah. (laughs) Not secretly. I really love that because I don't, well, besides COVID and the fact that I'm a, you know, I'm a petite woman, I'm not going to try to lift other people in class. Yeah. Yep. There are other teachers that can more easily do that. Mm -hmm. But so I kind of do the same thing. Mm -hmm.
1: And sometimes I feel bad about it, but mostly I don't. Well, and (laughs) I would go on also to discover years down the road when I started my own instructing that majority of those like, tingy shouldery injuries i would get from my level one classes where i had to do that kind of heavy spotting and i'm Mm. working with someone else's body weight and they're not necessarily always working with me they might be doing something incorrectly that's working against me and you know then i get sore shoulders later and i'm like oh that's right i spotted that person and they were doing that thing incorrectly
0: you know Yeah, I've never tried to spot actually, unless it's a kid and I
1: don't teach children anymore. Okay. My worst spotting experience ever was I was spotting a guy on silks, and I don't remember what movie he was doing at the time, but his foot swung around really quickly and he kicked me in the gums, and his toenail cut my gums. Oh my God. Besides that, ow is disgusting. I instantly wanted to vomit. I have never had my stomach turn so quickly, and I have wiped poopy diapers, you know, four in a row when they just won't stop going. And I'm like, this, this is the thing that's going to take me out is a toenail (laughs) to the guns.
0: (laughs) That is so disgusting. Like, Mm -hmm. like the thoughts that go through your head are like, how, like,
1: where has that toenail been? Oh, I ran to the bathroom so quickly. I had Uh, to wash my mouth out as many times as I could. uh, And then it hurts
0: on top of it (laughs) because you're getting kicked. Oh my goodness. Okay.
1: So, and could you invert your first day? No, no. took me a little while to be able to invert, but those were more of, you know, like I could see the progress and it didn't take too much longer. And would you consider yourself an athletic person before all of this? Uh, Before my pregnancies, I would have considered myself an athletic person. Not necessarily after
0: them. Okay. Okay. Got it. Got it. All right. Just trying to, just trying to get the
1: vibes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I've always been kind of a healthy person, never necessarily like very out of shape or, you know, not ever overweight besides being pregnant. Wow. Just
0: having that gestational diabetes multiple times, that must be so frustrating because you're like putting it on, taking it off, putting it on, taking it off.
1: How about, okay. So you start Ariel. Mm-hmm. Yep. And what's next? I mean, I was like instantly hooked as soon as I started doing one class a week. Then I wanted to start doing two classes a week. And then I wanted to do every workshop that came along. I uh, performed for the first time in 2012 for, you know, a student show. And then again in 2013. And then I started working on um, Duo Silks with a partner. And so by the time 2014 came, I started teaching for... Uh, studio nearby. Uh, Not the same one that I had been taking classes at previously, but a different one. But, and you're, and you're talking about Detroit, Michigan, in in the Detroit area. Yep. And I started teaching aerial yoga as well. By 2014, I was pretty busy. I had two kids. I was teaching aerial yoga, teaching aerial silks. I started teaching kids classes. I was also substitute teaching when I had free time for a couple of the school districts nearby. Um, I did end up getting divorced from my first husband. So I was just fully immersed by then. I started performing more. I picked up weekend gigs performing. So you've you've got
0: two kiddos. You're in the swing of your aerial life. And then you have three more somehow. So continue your life story. I want to hear it.
1: Yeah. So during all this, I had started dating this guy who lived in Las Vegas. And I would travel to Las Vegas to train, you know, every once in a while, take lessons and see him. So I ended up getting pregnant in 2015. And that pregnancy started out crazy. I had just found out I was pregnant. I went to see him in Las Vegas and I started bleeding really heavy when I got out to Las Vegas. Oh no. I know. And I was, it was very early on. I was only eight or nine weeks. And so of course you're like, I'm, you know, I'm obviously going to have a miscarriage. You know, you don't just start bleeding this heavy and cramping. So we Mm -hmm. went to the ER and they did an ultrasound, couldn't find the baby's heartbeat. It was really disappointing. They said my HCG levels weren't as high as they should be. And to just follow up with my doctor at home. So I was pretty sad for a few days. And then I got home and I saw my regular OB who had been my doctor for my first two pregnancies. And he immediately found the baby's heartbeat and said, I don't know why they told you that your HCG levels look great to me. And he repeated the ultrasound and found that I had a cyst. And he said, this is, you know, what's causing your bleeding and your cramping is a cyst, but where it was positioned, He said, it's pretty normal, you know, and this kind of thing usually resolves itself within a few weeks. The bleeding should stop, you know, the cyst will, you know, go away. Um, But he did put me on restrictions. So this aerial life that I had created (laughs) kind of had to then be altered. He didn't want me to do any impactant exercises. So no jumping jacks, no running, no aerial silk drops, (laughs) no hammock drops.
0: And you were like, how many weeks in? Maybe 10 or 11 weeks now. Okay, and then the gestational diabetes test is later than that, but do they just assume that
1: you have it since you had it the two other times? Yeah, and my doctor tends to be on the stricter side. So he was already, you know, start following your diet, start doing the things you know that you're supposed to be doing to try to help yourself be healthy. Of course, again, I was diabetic, not as, not as terrible as the second pregnancy but still gained about 50 pounds and I was teaching ariel I was teaching ariel you know four or five times a week at this time and I still put on 50 pounds (laughs) working out that many times during a week yeah was it frustrating or were you like whatever this is the way it is I mean it it was definitely frustrating because I thought I, well, I didn't really work out the first two times, so I should be a little bit better this time around. No jokes on you, lady. You're still going to gain 50 pounds. So I did. I taught up until my third trimester. I gave birth to a healthy baby boy in January of 2016. And you have
0: one boy and one girl already? Nope, I have three boys now, all boys. Ah, yep. <laughs> got it. Okay, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to try to give this bean to her, Papa, because okay. she's getting really unruly. I will be right back.
1: It sounds good.
0: Oh my God, Elizabeth. <laughs> she's She's like, no, I'm like, oh. So you just have the one. Yeah, yeah I had her when I was 41 41
1: oh my goodness 42 I, I I think she came out when I was 42 uh, and I complained about my last one being when I was 37
0: <laughs> I mean I was like really pushing it but it wasn't because I was waiting on purpose it's because I went through a divorce at 38 okay and then dated ferociously yeah you're like I panic panic catch up panicking panicking panic dating Uh, oh my god it was like a job it was just (laughs) it was too stressful of course in hindsight I'm like if I knew I was gonna meet this amazing dude I would have just chilled out but that's not how it
1: goes no and it's all just a different
0: chapter in your life yeah yeah so definitely um I would say dating furiously dating yes You don't know what the Vegas doctor was thinking. You went back to your doctor. He's like, everything's fine. And you still have to be on your crazy diet. And you're basically gaining 50 pounds and then kind of losing it on each baby. Yes. Yeah. And each
1: time I maybe didn't lose all 50 pounds, but I still got back to like a healthy weight to where I was comfortable with my body and still, you know, able to do my job and feel great. So
0: no complaints. Man, that is a feat yes. for the
1: body to be able to do that over and over. I know. And I got pretty lucky with things like my pelvic floor, you know, and my abdominals and that kind of stuff. Where after working with so many different women that have had emergency C sections and not as healthy of pregnancies. I start to realize how very lucky I am that I've had three pregnancies that have gone that route where, yeah, I gained a bit of weight, but I was able to lose that weight. I was able to get back into shape. I still had pretty good control over different muscle groups in my body.
0: You are in your second trimester of your third pregnancy. So, yeah.
1: So I taught until I was about, um, 28 weeks, uh, with that pregnancy and I was teaching you know three or four times a week or three or four days a week multiple classes
0: and you're doing this by talking on the ground nope I was in the air until oh, my okay for, so for that one you were able to be physical Mm-hmm. yep okay I was okay. just
1: not supposed to do any impact so I didn't teach any drops but I could still teach oh I see I could teach you know any poses and sequences as long as I wasn't you know, letting go and slamming into the silks again, or, you know, dropping from the top of the lira to the bottom of the lira. I was okay. So I had him, the third one, the baby boy in January, another healthy baby, seven pounds, 11 ounces, natural, nothing too crazy with his delivery. It was another quick one. I think maybe I pushed three times and he was out. So after the third one, I really hit the ground running. I got cleared six weeks postpartum to go on ahead and start working out. And I did. I started right away, you know, training again, teaching again, getting back into performing, losing the baby weight, getting back into shape. Um, my studio hired a guest instructor to come and stay for the entire month of July. And our four lead instructors that we had at the time all took a month long intensive where we we're trained, it was a lady from South America that came up and she trained us three times a week for four hours for three weeks. Oh my God, that's intense. It was very intense. We did rope and silks and she kicked my butt. And in the middle of that, I found out I was pregnant with baby four.
0: <sighs> oh my God. So what was the time frame between having the third and having it the fourth? Was-
1: Three and a half months, four months. Oh my God. (laughs) Yes. I, let me tell you, I cried. (laughs) So you're breastfeeding and everything and. Yep. Yep. I'm breastfeeding. I've barely, you know, gotten back to where I was before. Just starting to feel good about myself. I had just done my first um, performance for a local church nearby. And I'm in the middle of this super intense training program and I get pregnant again. Oh my goodness. Yes. And babies are a blessing, let me tell you. But I was not feeling very blessed at that moment. I was a little overwhelmed. Yeah, it's overwhelming. Mm Mm-hmm, for sure. So I got to do all that stuff all over again. (laughs) (gasps) Oh my God. So gestational diabetes again. Yes. And this time it was the worst out of the four.
0: Oh my God. Okay. Okay. First of all, I cannot imagine being pregnant that many times. Mm-hmm. And I know it's spread out over years. I get that part. But yeah. And then that you had to do this thing every mm-hmm. time. So are you also pricking your finger and
1: testing your blood sugar all the time? Yes. And this time they did try putting me on medication to help regulate my blood sugar. I ended up not staying on it because what it was doing was it was dropping my blood sugar too low. So I ended up going back off of it and just trying the diet again. And also that wonderful doctor that I had had the first three pregnancies decided he was going to very rudely retire. <laughs> How dare him? Oh, that is so rude. <laughs> that is so rude. So I had to switch OBGYNs, which I did end up liking the, the new OBGYN, but he was just unfamiliar and new to me. So it took a little while to get to get used to him and not have my old, you know, Obi that I really loved.
0: He was probably not super young when you first saw him, right? I was, you know, he's just an older doctor.
1: Oh yeah. No, he was an older doctor. He had been my um OBGYN since I was 16 years old. So I had was very comfortable with him. I had seen him since I was a teenager before I'd ever, you know, even thought about having kids. So
0: Yeah. So, okay, so you're pregnant. With baby number four.
1: (laughs) Could you still train during this pregnancy? I didn't have that bleeding like I did in the third one. So, okay. I at least, you know, was able to teach a little bit more of the stuff that I had been working on and didn't really have to limit myself. Uh, This new doctor, I explained to him, you know, what Ariel was and, you know, what I did. And I thought we were on the same page. (laughs) He kind of, you know, asked me to not go too high in the air, you know, but still let me teach my classes um, the way that I was comfortable with teaching them. I gave birth to a healthy baby girl. Finally, oh my goodness! I this know. is amazing. <laughs> I was overjoyed. Finally, a little girl uh, in March of two thousand
0: and seventeen. Two thousand seventeen. So yeah. she is four.
1: Yeah, she just turned four in March. And looking back on it, it was it was very stressful at the time having the pregnancies back to back and trying to do what I did, but after the fact. I don't know if I would have wanted it to be different because I kind of got it over and done with quicker. They are very close. They're number three and four. Three and four are best friends. They do everything together. It's unfortunate that they're not in the same grade level because they would really thrive if they were.
0: Wait, I'm going to
1: use, I thought you had five kids. I haven't gotten a number five yet.
0: Oh, you haven't gotten to that part of the story yet. No, we haven't gotten to this part. We're only in 2017, <laughs> Carrie. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. So you gave birth to your daughter and then, and then you're back
1: in, back in class after that? Yeah. Again? So again, I was cleared at six weeks. Everything looked good. I had her all natural. Um, her birth was quick, just like uh, numbers one and three uh, were We're You know, we're pretty fast, so no complaints there. Her delivery went well. Um, I started teaching again at eight weeks. Not anything crazy, but, you know, just my, like, beginner students. Yeah. And that kind of stuff. A lot of, like you said, teaching from the floor, having Mm -hmm. someone else show the stuff that I wasn't able to show, or, you know, giving them a little bit more of independence to, to try it out without me having to show it every time.
0: Yeah, I call it pushing them out of the nest. Yes, I definitely push them out of the nest. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, after a while, I'm like, y'all are adults. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and why do you keep on forgetting things? Yep. What? <laughs> <laughs> I I always say, I'm like, you know what? Thank you for my job security. I literally am never going to lose, lose my job because y'all can't remember shit. Yeah, exactly. I just remind you all the time. <laughs> I'm like, what is happening? It's a single star. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs>
1: continue, continue. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I mean, the next few years are pretty, you know, much just a lot of teaching and performing again and working with a ton of wonderful guest instructors that came to our studio. I was the office manager. I was the director of our kids per, kids program at the studio. Um, my kids pretty much lived at the studio at that point. You know, my older yeah. two took classes. They took aerial classes. They took Kung Fu classes. We had a little Kung Fu studio in the front of, uh, of our space. Um, they took summer camps and they did their homework there. And, you know, if my, he's my husband now, but if uh, my boyfriend at the time couldn't come and, you know, get the kids quick enough, I'm like, sorry, but there's a kid in a car seat uh, that's going to be sitting during the beginning of this lesson. Their, their dad will be here soon. My older ones would watch my younger ones. The office person would you know, hold a crying baby or give a bottle if I needed them to or whatever. I was very lucky because, so yeah, my kids, you know, grew up at an aerial studio, basically. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. I have a pretty fun picture somewhere of one of my coworkers working on um, beats on the trapeze and she's in the background doing beats and my baby is wrapped up in the silks on the floor taking a nap in the tail of a fabric <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> While I'm trying to get in my training
0: okay so there's a pandemic in there somewhere too
1: right yeah so, so how did that go <sighs> how did that all go for you and I'm at home with four kids <laughs> and I've got to homeschool them Oh, man. I know. Can you
0: imagine? No, I can't. And so you're I thinking, have... okay, this is like two weeks. That Remember the beginning? We were so yes. naive. Oh, we yeah. We like, okay, two weeks. We can do
1: this. I went to the grocery store, stocked up on some stuff. You know, we're good. We can make it. I've got a 12-year-old, a nine-year-old. Oh, gosh, how old were the younger two? Four and two, I think. Yes, four and two. Okay, yep. Yeah. And then the pandemic happened. I did have an outdoor rig, so I was still able to keep up my strength and keep up with my training. you know, um do stuff in the backyard, but I was mainly busy with the kids and having them, you know, around full time and we got chickens. <laughs> so I saw that in your email. So how many yeah. chickens do you have? So we had fifteen. We have
0: eleven now. And these are like you're getting eggs out of these chickens, I'm assuming. Oh, yeah.
1: Okay. 10 to 11 eggs per day. Wow, that's great. I know, yep. Yeah. And I I sell them, of course. I can't eat that many eggs. I uh, mean, you do have you do have a lot of people in your household. Yes, and we do go through a lot, but each week I do sell usually like two or three dozen eggs. Okay, and is it like does it taste like the grocery store? They taste better. And I know everyone is like, how, how do they taste better? And it's, there's like no way to really explain it until you actually have a actual farm chicken egg and can actually like see the color difference and the consistency difference. And then you're like, oh yeah, this is what an egg should look and taste like. Those other ones are kind of fake. (laughs)
0: Oh my God. I always search at Trader Joe's for like the dark yolk Mm -hmm. egg. Is that kind
1: of the deal? Yeah. They have like a better like viscosity that like nice bounce and like thickness to like the whites and everything. So do you have like a wait list for your chicken
0: eggs every week? Um, because I would get on that wait list if I lived
1: in Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like an intensive wait list, but I do have people that are like my regulars, and then I have people that like, okay, I can sneak you in this week and get you a carton of eggs, but I can't do it next week.
0: Oh my god! Like it's just, I can just imagine if that were here in LA, there would be a long list. Yeah, yeah, it would be a really long list to get some perfectly amazing. Like eggs. I learned something new on this podcast every day. Okay. So there's still another pregnancy, right? Yes. We haven't gotten there yet. Okay. I'm on the edge (laughs) of my seat. I'm like, when is this
1: fifth pregnancy? (laughs) So, yeah. So we're stuck at home with the kids and we're homeschooling and we're raising chickens and we got this huge garden now. Oh my gosh. My garden is 10 times bigger than it's ever been. You know, we're growing everything. We just decided you know, that we wanted to try one more time. And I'm getting older and 36 at this point. And I'm like, you know what? Let's try one more time. And if I get pregnant by my birthday in November, then all right. yep. So I got pregnant the week of my birthday. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so this just... is
0: like what? Like six,
1: seven months into a pandemic. Yep. The ripe age of 37. And let me tell you, that pregnancy hit me like a Mack truck. I've had this gestational diabetes for my first four pregnancies. Know that I'm going to gain weight. This time around, what I did not expect was to get high blood pressure. Oh. So I get what's known as gestational hypertension. Oh, okay. Which... In the long and short means that everything I do makes me feel winded, makes me feel tired, more run down than before. Everything was harder. I gained way more weight this time around. I went in on a Wednesday because I was having contractions. Every four minutes, I was dilated to a four and they sent me home. (laughs) Hmm. And I cried because I was... so you, ready not to be I pregnant. Was so ready. I was so done. I was so tired. I have this high blood pressure. Everything I eat makes me sick. Everything I eat makes me gain weight. I gained 20 pounds in the last three weeks of my pregnancy. Wow. Yeah. I was so swollen and just at the end of my rope. And I mean, I consider myself a really strong person at this point. To know the things oh, that yeah. I can do, you know, I can... I can do a double star drop, but at that moment, I could barely walk, you know, from my bed to the bathroom without needing to stop and catch my breath or being in pain and being uncomfortable. Plus taking care of four other kids. Yeah. Okay. I was supposed to wait until Monday to go back to see my doctor. And on Saturday, I just broke down in tears. I was like, I can't do this. I'm going back to the hospital. I, I was dizzy. I was nauseous. I couldn't eat anything. And I just was like, we have to go back. Is it universal that you have to be at five centimeters to be? I thought it was four, but apparently I was wrong. It must now be five. (laughs) Maybe it was four when my first was born. I go back in, I'm still dilated to a four. And the other thing that I forgot to mention was I had to switch doctors again. So wonderful, nice new doctor that I had for baby number four moved out of state. Oh, how dare he! So it's the middle of a pandemic. I have to find a new doctor. I'm yeah. um, got hypertension and diabetes and the whole nine yards. And so I go back in, and they call my doctor, and he says, "Well, I'm not available, but if you, you know, are feeling that terrible, I will go ahead and give them permission to break your water." And you know, you can stay and be admitted. And I'm like, yes, yes, that, that one, that's the option I want. I'm staying. (laughs) Do not want to leave. Please (laughs) break my water. Please make this baby get out. I had had all my first four natural. And this time around, I was in so much pain. I had this shooting pain in my back and my side that I could not explain. And they tell me the baby's not facing the right way. And she's kind of stuck. So I said, you know what, I'm going to get an epidural. I'm just I can't do it. So Mm -hmm. I get an epidural and they try for three hours to get this baby to turn and move. And I get fully dilated and I push and I push and I pushed for over three hours. Mm. And I was so just defeated at that point. You know, she's not turning they're flipping me every direction. They're doing the whole, I can't remember what they call it, but the whole thing that they do when a baby won't move, they brought in the professional, you know, the lady that they call in when nobody yeah, else. Yeah, the, the get towel a baby to thing when you're mm-hmm. on your all four, all fours. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And she even tells me in the middle of this, she's like, you've got great upper body strength. And I was like, well, thank you. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, but the doctor goes on call and, uh, he starts talking to me about an emergency C-section. He's like, I'm giving you like 30 more minutes. And if this baby is not out, then we are calling it and we are doing a C-section. And, you know, at that moment, I'm like, that's it. I'm done. My aerial career is finished. I'm not going to try to retrain and get back to where I was if I have a c-section it's gonna be so much more work it's like having major abdominal surgery and I know women have done it I've worked with those women you know I've helped them regain their strength and reconnect with their ab muscles and everything but uh just you know I'm not gonna do it and so <clears throat> my husband said you know I think the epidural is not really helping you because I was having a trouble like kind of feeling what should have been going on? He's like, let's, you know, can we like turn the epidural off? And I'm like, I'm fine with it. Let's turn off the epidural and see if it helps. So they go ahead and turn it off. And this is like our last ditch effort. And I don't know if it was turning off the epidural or if it was just that she just decided to start turning at that moment. But I start pushing and she starts moving this time. Mm. I push for maybe five more minutes and she was out and I cried so hard. Oh, because I, here I was just minutes away from just deciding I'm going to have this emergency C-section to having this baby, you know, laying on my chest. And she ended up being nine pounds, three ounces. Mm -hmm. And the doctor reviewed my chart and he was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that they sent you home on Wednesday." He was like, You are hypertension and you have diabetes. And they had seen when I had gone in for my 36 week ultrasound how big she was. He was like, I can't believe that they sent you home on Wednesday and they didn't induce you then to have her, knowing that she was most likely going to be this big. And how old is she now? So she's eight weeks old. Oh my God. Wait. Yeah. (laughs) This was just August 8th that I had her. Oh my
0: God. How am I even on this phone call with you? You're like in the depth of like not sleeping or something. I know, but you know,
1: I, I kind of just got used to it at some point that I don't really sleep that much. So it's okay. And also I have a super amazing partner, super amazing husband who, you know, I've left that out during all of this, that You know, they lived at the studio, but the other half of the time he was taking care of kids without me. He was watching four kids when I was at work or performing or standing on the sidelines with the kids while I was doing some amazing event performing. Oh, this is amazing. Yeah. So he's really, really good with kids. Really good. So he's in the living room somewhere, rocking her, giving her a bottle. So she's eight weeks.
0: Are you breastfeeding her?
1: Yes. Yep.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. And so obviously you're not doing aerial right now, but you plan to. Yep. So I just
1: went back to training this week. Um, I had gone back at six weeks with all my other ones, but because I pushed for so long with this delivery, I had a lot more pelvic floor damage than I had ever experienced before. A lot more pain. Um, everything kind of feels like it got pulled a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So I waited a little bit longer. I waited till eight weeks to go back this time, just to kind of give myself that extra couple of weeks, even though the doctor did clear me at six weeks and said that I could go back to training if I wanted. Um, I waited a little bit longer. So.
0: You know what? Somewhere in your story, you were saying that you felt that at this age, you feel your age, right? And I'm sitting here and I have such a different path because I had one kid and I had her, you know, I'm however many years older than you, maybe six or seven years older than you. Basically, you feel your age. I think it's because you have four kids. Mm-hmm. I think it's impossible to feel any other way when you're raising kids throughout your entire 20s, 30s.
1: Yeah. yeah. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. and. I I I did at some point realize like what path in the aerial world I was taking by having so many kids and going back over and over again. You know, there's things that I know that I see other people train and do that I just there's no way I can get back to that level and it's not that I I can't that I can't do it. It's that I physically can't do it. You know, I I've worked with so many amazing people and there's just stuff that my body is just not going to let me do anymore. Mm. And, you know, like for an example, is flares. Flares are outside of my, my realm of ability. I, I can't control those muscle groups, but I can still, you know, do inverts and drops and all of that. Kind of learn where your strengths and weaknesses are and kind of what that cap is now.
0: Just going back to the moment where you were so exhausted and mind you, I know you were so exhausted. You were so over it. And you're like, if I have a C-section, I'm not going to go back to Ariel. Do you think that was just your exhaustion or do you you feel like you would have definitely done, you would have stuck to that afterwards if you had this C-section?
1: Ah, I don't know. I, I feel like I... Was it just so daunting, the idea of it? Yeah, it was. It was very daunting only because I've worked with, you know, students and professional aerialists. I worked with an amazing aerialist. Amazing. She's one of the best contortion people I've ever worked with. She was a gymnast for like 18 years or something crazy, you know, like training when she was like two years old to be a gymnast. Um, And she had an emergency C-section. And You know, it's limiting the, there's things that she couldn't do. And then there's all these amazing things that she could do. And then there's this, you know, C-section that had damaged her abdominal muscles. And I just, you know, seeing people's struggles before me, I was like, I don't know that I would want to do that. It's, it is very daunting to think, would I want to do that? Would I want to have to go back through that training? And just, the time to wait to go back would be a lot longer too. I wouldn't be able to just jump back in it like I did this time at eight weeks postpartum.
0: Yeah, but the difference is actually only about a month and a half, right? Because I went back after three months. And um, so the thing that's going through my mind is what I find more daunting is losing 50 pounds every single time you had a baby. That to me sounds way more daunting than going back to Ariel after a C-section because that's what I'm doing now. And it doesn't seem so
1: yeah, traumatizing, but
0: I guess for that's me, why I'm
1: asking. Yeah. I guess for me, the weight loss thing didn't seem as bad because I had, I had done it previously. So I I knew I was capable of doing it. And it's kind of like that when you have the first one naturally, being able to go into the second one and go, I'm not going to need an epidural because I did it the first time. I know I can do it again. You know? So it's the same idea as like, I gained all that weight. I know I can get rid of all that weight. So you sound like a
0: super tough chick. I have a feeling that had that C-section happened, you would have like slept on it for like two days afterwards. And then you would have gone back to Ariel in three months. <laughs> I'm like, you don't sound like the type of person. You're just having it, you're just really exhausted. But you know what? We'll never know. You didn't have to have it, which is great. I, I also yes. think getting torn almost all the way to your mm-hmm. anus is more daunting yes. than a C section. Personally, oh my gosh. personally.
1: It was no, that was awful. So yeah.
0: Elizabeth, I feel really, I'm so happy that you told your story because. It is so different than all the other stories that I've had told on this freaking podcast. It's amazing. There are definitely ones that stand out in the same way, but for a different reason, you know? I credit a lot of my
1: ability to kind of have a baby and come back and have a baby and come back to the fact that I was surrounded by a wonderful group of women. So, you know, a little bit of a shout out also to the fact that I worked with these other women, a couple of them had had kids and some of them had not, but they were all there to support me and, you know, hold a baby or help me train or kick my butt or pick me up when I was feeling down. So, you know, shout out also to this wonderful community that is the Ariel community. Do you want to give your studio a shout out? Um, Yeah, so I work for Ariel Dragonfly in Ferndale, Michigan. Uh, Awesome. Yes, wonderful, amazing little studio, uh, great owners. And I feel really lucky to have found them during the pandemic craziness.
0: How can my listeners find you? Or do you want to stay anonymous? Oh, (laughs) no, I don't mind
1: at all. Um, I'm on Instagram, um, ellismira22.
0: All right, my friends, thank you so much for being here. Thank you to Asa Watkins for music and post production. If you guys really love the podcast and maybe even want to be on it and have a story for me, please reach out. My email is always carrie at wrapyourheadaroundsilks.com. And if you want to check out any of the resources that I have online, I've got a free mini course on my website. I've got some tips, tutorials on YouTube. And yeah, just a lot of free resources at sulks.com. So check that out if you'd like to. All right, guys, thanks so much for tuning in. This is the Expecting Urealist podcast. Baby mama. Baby mama, you want to say check, check the mic? Baby mama. Baby mama, sound check? Yes, okay. Yes, okay. Sound check. For the podcast? Yes, okay. Podcast? Yes, okay. Can you say podcast? Yes, okay. (laughs) I actually want you to say podcast, though. Podcast. Podcast. Oh, thank you. That was what I needed. Oh, love you.